Thanks, Laura. Okay. Um, well, today we are wrapping up this sermon series that we've been in that's called I'm In. And if you've been with us, you remember this sermon series has been all about our God-given identity. Uh, who does God say that you are? Such an important question, right? Who does God say that you are? Because as we've said, we, we all get up every day, we go about our daily lives, we go to work, we do stuff at home, and, and the world is bombarding us with different messages about who we are. And I think if we're honest, many of us, we would say that our fears, uh, our worries in life, our insecurities, they bombard us with messages about who we really are. But when we stop, when we pause and peel all of that back, who does God say that we are? Uh, here, here's why this matters so much. As we've said, uh, as Christians, we believe that God has created every single one of us with care and intention and purpose. And that means that you're not here by accident. Uh, God didn't have to create you, but God chose to create you. God looked at this world and decided the world would be better with you in it. And out of all the times and places that God could have put you here, God put you here right now. And that's because there's a life that God wants for you to live. Jesus calls it abundant life. It's the life that we were created for. But as we've been talking about in this series, it's really hard for us to step into that abundant life if we're not clear about our God-given identity, right? So we've been talking about, so far, three different parts of our God-given identity. I'll show you on the slide here to refresh your memory. We started out the series talking about I'm invited. I'm invited into God's family and that's part of my identity. And in week two, we talked about I'm invaluable, that church is not just a place that I go. It, it's, it's part of who we are. Uh, and within this family of God, I have an invaluable role to play. Last week, we talked about I'm influential, that God has created me. God has created you with this extraordinary ability to, to influence the people around us, to shine the light of God on people that we encounter every single day. And so today, as we're wrapping up this series, uh, I want to add one final thing to all of this. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road for this whole series. And I was going to call this sermon Rubber Meets the Road, but that doesn't start with I-N, so I had to come up with something. Um, so what I want to talk about today is that if we're really going to embrace our God-given identity, and if we're actually going to live all of this out, we have to invest our time. That's what I want to talk about today. We, we have to invest our time. Now, here's something that I think I know about you and I definitely know about myself. Um, you are busy, right? And you probably stay busy a lot of the time. I think for, for many of us, like once we do our work stuff and our home stuff and our family stuff and the fun stuff that we want to do in life, our schedules stay pretty packed out. A lot of the time, if you feel super busy, you're not alone. Uh, I looked it up this week. According to the Pew Research Center, they found that 72% of Americans say that they sometimes or they always feel too busy to enjoy life. 72% of Americans. And a different survey I found uh, says that over half of working American adults, they, they say that they're too busy to do all the things they want to do in life. I think many of us would go a step further and we would say we, we feel too busy to do all the things we need to do in life, right? We, we, we're busy and we stay busy a lot of the time, but here's something else that I know about you, and that is that you are smart, right? Somebody say, I'm smart. I'm smart. Yeah, oh, 
That was not convincing. Somebody say, I'm smart. I know you're smart. I know you are. And so what do smart people do when they're busy? They look for ways to save time, right? Smart people look for ways to minimize the amount of time that it takes to get things done. I'll tell you how I do this in my life. Um, so as I've shared with you before, in our family, I'm the one who goes and gets the groceries for us every week. And I don't particularly enjoy grocery shopping, but it's got to get done. And I'm smart. And so what do I do? I try to minimize the time that it takes to get the groceries. And I've got several ways of, of doing this. Some of you want to take notes on this. Uh, I can help you out. Uh, so like I found if I go during the week and avoid the weekends, it's less crowded. So I can move through the store more quickly. I don't have to wait as long in the checkout line. Uh, some of you amateurs, you just go for the shortest line, right? But see, what I've learned is you, you got to know the cashiers. And if you go regularly enough, you know who are the fast cashiers. Like my man Rad at the Harris Teeter is fast. And so I'll get in his line even if it's longer, and I still get out of there faster. Um, I used to waste a ton of time standing at the deli counter waiting for the guy to slice my turkey. But then I realized the Harris Teeter has an app where you can order it ahead of time. So I do that now, and I just pick up my turkey, and I can keep moving. I save time. Uh, another thing I've done, this is more than you want to know, but I, uh, I, I've started trying to make my grocery list match the layout of the store so that I can, like, move through orderly. I'm not having to double back, you know. I'm saving time. Now, some of you think I'm nuts, and, and you're probably right. But the thing is, you do the same thing in your own ways, right? Some of you, you've told me that you will, uh, while you're waiting in your kid's carpool line, you're making work calls, you're checking email on your phone. Uh, others of you have told me that you prep all your meals for the week on Sunday night to save you time cooking during the, during the week. We're, we're busy, but we're smart. And so we look for ways to save time. And in many areas of life, that's really helpful and it makes a lot of sense. But, but I bet most of us have discovered that there are some parts of life where that like time-saving, minimalist approach it's a really bad idea. Uh, for example, imagine if I approached my marriage that way. Imagine if I approached my marriage thinking like, how little time can I spend being a husband? How can I cut the amount of time that it takes to be married? I don't preach on marriage much here at Kindred Church, but let me go on record and say, that's not a good way to approach your marriage. You know this. Or for those of us that are parents, think about your children. You know, you, you don't want to, like, cut that time, right? That's not, how, how can I minimize the, the amount of time that I spend being a father? That's, I mean, there's some days as parents where we, we want to take that approach, right? But, but that's not a good way to approach parenting in general. Or our relationships with our close family, our close friends, there are some areas of life where being a minimalist is going to backfire and not help us at all. Well, what I want to point out to us today is that our time with God that the time that we spend actually living into our God-given identity, that's one of those areas where it's a bad idea to try to save time. Now, that may sound super obvious. We're sitting here in church, and this is part of a, a sermon. But the truth is, when we get busy and we start looking for ways to save time, it becomes really, really tempting for us to cut down the amount of time we're spending with God, doesn't it? And usually it's not that like we're just sitting around thinking like, man, I'm spending way too much time with God. I have just got to cut back. No, what happens is we, we start thinking this. We start thinking, am I going to take time to pray today or to read some scripture or do a devotion? 
And then we start thinking, I got so much to do, and I did just pray yesterday, or I did just pray the day before, or I did just pray last week, and so I'm probably good. I'll do other stuff, right? More similar, am I going to go to church this week? Well, I did go last week or the week before. I'm probably good, you know, or, or we think, uh, am I going to go out of my way today to be a blessing to somebody else, to serve somebody else that I encounter? Well, I'm already behind on my to-do list. I've got so much going on. I'll do that a different time. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we don't think those things are important. It's, it's just that we're busy and, and we're looking for ways to save time. Uh, this is something that I think many of us, if we're honest, we would say we, we struggle with it. I know I struggle with it. And what we find out in today's scripture is that apparently Jesus knows that we struggle with this. I guess even in the first century, he could see his followers struggling with this temptation to, to, to save time by, by cutting back on the time that his followers were spending with, with God. And so Jesus tells us this parable in this passage that really illustrates for us why it's so important that we resist that temptation and, and invest plenty of time in God. Now, we're going to look at this scripture, but before we dive into it, would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh, Lord God, uh, thank you for the gift of your word. God, thank you for speaking to us so that we can know your heart, so that we can know your calling. God, we ask you to come and open up our hearts by the power of your spirit, Lord. Help us to hear the words of love and comfort that you have for us today. But God, also open us up to the ways that you're pushing us and challenging us to grow so that we can be the people that you want us to be. God, we pray all of this through your Son, who is the living word. Amen. All right, so in Luke 14, Jesus tells us this story, and it starts out like this. He says, a certain man, a certain man hosted a large dinner, and he invited many people. So we've got this guy who wants to throw a party. And from the context here, we can kind of infer that this guy represents God, because in most of Jesus' parables, there's like a, a God figure. And in the context here, we can also infer that this, this dinner that's referred to here, this represents the, the abundant life that God calls us and invites us into, the abundant life that we were created for. And I actually think that that's a really good metaphor that Jesus uses, because I wonder if you've ever had the experience of going to a dinner party or going to some kind of meal, some kind of gathering around food where like the atmosphere is good and the food is good and the drinks are good and the conversation is good and like the whole experience is so good, you can just kind of feel it in your soul. You ever had an experience like that? Uh, like I can remember a number of years ago, uh, back when Kirsten and I were engaged, we were just a few weeks away from our wedding, and we had both just graduated from college. And the night of Kirsten's graduation, her parents uh, kind of threw her this graduation celebration, and uh, she had family members that came in from out of town, and, and they invited me to join them for this celebration. So there was a, a big group of us, and we all went out to dinner at this really nice restaurant in Raleigh. And it was mid-May, you know, one of those nights where it was like not too hot, not too cold. As I remember it, the stars were out that night, just, just beautiful. And we get to this restaurant, 
and the food is just banging. Like the appetizers are so good, and the entree and the desserts and the wine is good, and everybody's laughing and catching up. And uh, you know, there's all these extended family members who, who don't always get to see each other. And I had known most of Kirsten's immediate family, of course, for some time, but uh, there was a lot of extended family that I didn't know. And as we're enjoying this nice meal together, uh, I could feel them, even though I wasn't officially in the family yet, they were embracing me and, and welcoming me in. And like the whole night, it was just so joyful. It was so peaceful. I could just kind of like feel it in my soul. Maybe you've had an experience like that. Well, I think as Jesus starts the parable off here, he's kind of gesturing to us that, that when we live the abundant life that God created us for, it's, it's kind of like that, that feeling. That's kind of how it feels in our souls. So a certain man hosted a large dinner, and he invited many people. And the implication is that everybody who was invited, they RSVP'd and they said, yes, absolutely, because who wouldn't want to be part of an amazing experience like this? So, so far, so good. But watch what happens next. When it was time, that's interesting, when it was time, that this is a clue that this is a parable about time. When it was time for the dinner to begin... He, that's the host of this party, he, he sends his servant to tell the invited guests, come, the dinner is now ready. And, and we would assume that everybody would drop what they're doing and get ready and, and that they would go enjoy this dinner because they were looking forward to it. And they said that they would come, but that's not exactly how it happens. We're told one by one, they all began to make excuses. See, as it turns out, when, when push came to shove, even though they said they were excited about the dinner and they wanted to come, when, when push came to shove, they, they actually weren't willing to invest the time. Let's listen to what they say here. The first one, this is the first invited guest, uh, told this, this servant, oh, uh, I bought a farm, not I bought the farm, I bought a farm, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. This is like a first century way of saying things at work are so crazy right now. I just feel too behind. This dinner sounds amazing, but I just don't have the, the time. The, the second guy says something similar. I bought five teams of oxen, and I'm going to check on them. Please excuse me. Again, things at work are so crazy. I'm just so busy. Life is hectic. I, I don't have the time. The third guy goes a different direction. Apparently work is fine for him, but he said, I just got married, so I can't come. It's like family stuff. I got family stuff going on, right? I just, the dinner sounds great. I don't have the time. So then what happens? Well, we're told the master of the house, that's the host of this party, the master of the house became angry. Why did he become angry? Well, if we put ourselves in his shoes, we would probably feel angry too. Like, um, if we wanted to put this in a more modern context, think about this. Let's say that you are going to throw a birthday party for your seven-year-old daughter. And so you get on paperless posts. Some of you know about paperless posts. And you create a cute little invitation. And you send it out to all of your daughter's friends' parents, right? And, and they all get on there and they RSVP and they say yes. And not only that, but like on the optional little comments section, they, they're leaving comments like, yay, woo, can't wait for this party. We're so excited. And so you feel good and your daughter feels good and you start making all the preparations and you go to the store and you get the decorations and you go and you get the, the balloons, the kind with the helium in them and, and you get all the cupcakes that you're going to need for this party. And the day of the party comes and you get it all arranged and you get it all set out and the party's about to start, 
And right about that time, you start getting all these text messages from the parents of the kids that are supposed to come to this party, and they start telling you all the reasons that they can't come. And it's not like we've had a, a family emergency. It's not like I got COVID and the CDC says I can't come to the party. It's like, uh, I got to clean out the garage today, sorry. Or like, I got to get some shopping done. Or like, I got to go hang out with some other friends today. And as a result, you're sitting there with your seven-year-old daughter and no one has shown up to this party. How would you feel? Probably, among other things, you'd feel angry. I'd feel angry. That's kind of how the master of the house was feeling here in this story. But he's put all this work in. He's got this whole feast prepared. He doesn't want it to go to waste. So, so what does he do? Well, the master of the house said to his servant, go out to the highways and to the back alleys and like round up anyone you can find. If, if you're, this is like a seven-year-old's birthday party, don't go to the back alleys and round up people. That's <laughs> the, the analogy breaks down. But urge people, he says, urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. And, and he's, he's able to find some people who they weren't on the initial guest list, but, but they were willing to invest the time. And they came and they ate and they got to enjoy this extravagant feast. And then listen to how the parable ends here. Uh, I tell you, this is the host speaking. He says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will taste my dinner. Uh, when I first read that, I thought, well, that seems a little harsh. I mean, I know he's angry, but like, is, is this like punitive? And then I read it again and I realized, no, this is actually just a statement of the facts. This is kind of the bottom line of the, the parable, that the people who were invited who, who wouldn't make the time they're not going to get to taste this dinner. And not because the host is excluding them, they excluded themselves because they weren't willing to make the time. So what's the takeaway from this parable for, for us? Well, as I said at the beginning, um, God created us for abundant life. God has invited each and every one of us to, to come and, and partake of this feast, but we don't actually get to taste it unless we invest the time. It's not, it's not enough to just hear that I'm invited, that I'm invaluable, that I'm influential. We have to invest the time that it takes to actually live that out. And so to, to kind of make this practical, um, a question I would pose to you is, uh, is there any, let me pull this up on the slide, is there any one of these areas of your God-given identity that we've talked about where you need to be investing a little more time right now, or maybe a lot more time. Like, like Jesus says to you, you are invited. You are invited into my family. And, and so are you investing time in prayer? Are you investing time in worship so that in the busyness of your life, you don't forget that that's part of your God-given identity? Um, God says to you, you are invaluable. Within my family, within my church, you have an invaluable role to play, and, and so are you investing time coming to church, looking for ways to serve, to volunteer, to, to contribute as you are uniquely able to, to contribute so that in the midst of your busy life, you don't forget that this is who you are. You are invaluable. So similarly, God says to you, you are influential, and so are you investing time each day going out of your way to serve others, to be a blessing to others that you encounter? Again, so in the midst of your daily life, in the midst of your busyness, you don't forget that this is who you are. This is who God created you 
to be. I'll give you an example um, from my life recently. So um, uh, not too long ago, I, I started feeling convicted that I just wasn't spending enough time in prayer. Um, and like I, I pray every day, but uh, I, I kind of caught myself for a season there where I was rushing through my prayers a lot. Maybe some of you can relate to this, you know, like I would go to pray and I'd be like, God, help me with this. God, help me with that. Be with this person. Be with that person. Okay, done. I'm in. Check, right? And on to the next thing. I check my prayer box for the day. And at a certain point, I realized, like, that, that's not actually all that helpful. That's not helping me live into my God-given identity. That's not where I want to be saving time. And so I've tried to invest more time in prayer. And, and one of the ways I've done that lately is I've started trying to pray right before I fall asleep at night. I still, I'm, I've been a morning prayer forever, and I'm, I'm still a morning prayer, uh, but, but I've added this extra time before I fall asleep at night. And do you know what I've found? Not always, but a lot of times, I end up sleeping better. I end up waking up feeling better. The next day, as I, as I go through my day, when I run into challenges or obstacles or disappointments, I feel like I bounce back better. I feel like I have a more optimistic outlook about the future. Overall, spiritually, mentally, I just feel healthier now, why is that? Is it because prayer works like magic? That's not what I'm saying. Is it because God is somehow rewarding me for this extra time in prayer? No, I do not think that's how God works. But it's that I'm investing more time in prayer. I'm investing more time living into my God-given identity. And so I'm more grounded in who God says that I am. It makes me more aware that I'm invited, that I'm invaluable, that I'm influential, and as a result of that, I'm able to experience more of this, this abundant life that Jesus talks about. So that, that's what happens when we make sure that we're investing time, actually living out our God-given identity. And so let me wrap up this sermon series uh, with this. Uh, remember, remember, you are invited. You are invaluable. You are influential. That, that's always true. That's who God says you are. That's never going to change. But the thing is, just hearing that in a sermon is not going to lead you to abundant life on its own. What's going to lead you to abundant life is, is actually making the time to, to live that out in an intentional way. And so my encouragement for us is let's, let's make the time that we need to make. Let's not try to save time, but let's make the time that we need to actually live this out so that we don't miss out on this feast and so that we can actually step into this abundant life. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious God, uh, we thank you for creating us, Lord. We thank you for the gift of life and not just any life, God, but we thank you that there's a life that you want us to live, Lord. We know that sometimes we stray from the path in, in all kinds of different ways, and we thank you for calling us back, God. Uh, help us to always remember who we are in your eyes, Help us to, to not be swayed by the things that the world tells us, by the things that our fears and our anxieties tell us about who we are, God. But help us to live into the identity that you have given us, Lord. Um, we pray that you would help us to prioritize it, to make room in our schedules for it, so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. And we love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen.